There's a quote by Hartman Jewell that says, I'm not just retiring from my company. I'm retiring from my stress. I'm retiring from my commute. I'm retiring from my alarm clock. And most of all, I'm retiring from my iron. So how do we get to a place that when we retire and we come home and we tell our spouse, hey, honey, I'm home forever. And the answer to that question is simple. It's money. It's financial freedom. So what is financial freedom? Financial freedom is the ability to live the lifestyle you're living right now without the stress of accumulating more funds. So how do we do this? We actually end up pushing our purchasing power today into the future. But there are about four factors that we're going to go over today to help you figure out what is that number? How much money do I need to retire? Will I run out of money? Will I have to go back to work as we see some people in the industry today in their 60s and 70s because they ran out of money because they didn't have the financial freedom that they needed? So let's dive right into it. The first one is how much are you going to spend? Now, a lot of people may think this is a hypothetical question. I don't know how much I'm going to spend. I don't know how much I spent 10 years ago. I don't know how much I'm going to need in the near future. Well, we have an easy calculation for that. What you're going to do is you're going to calculate your expenses this month. Take your bank statement, go down the list, see what you're spending. Are you spending $4,000, $5,000, or $6,000 every month to maintain the household as it is today? Then we're going to make the assumption that the big items, your house, your car, you want those paid off before you retired because no one wants to stress of having to know that maybe tomorrow, they may not be able to pay their mortgage. They may be kicked out of their house or may have to get into a different living situation. And then we're going to have some fun. We're going to determine what do you want to do in retirement? Do you want a vacation? Do you want to visit family out of state? Do you want to really dive into that new hobby of yours of fixing up your car or maybe hiking in the Colorado mountains? Those things we need to consider before we talk about how much money we really need in retirement. Number two, how much can we save now? We all know that we have discretionary income. That means that's the difference between what comes in and what goes out. Well, how much of that income are you spending just because you have it? Well, if you don't need it, what should we do? We should push it into the future when our income decreases. Because once we retire, we may not have as much income coming into the household. What we do, we leverage different investment tools other than just your checking account and your savings account. A lot of people make the mistake of, you know what, I'm just going to put all my money in my savings account and then I'll retire. I'll have some money. Unfortunately, there are some problems associated with too much money in your savings account. Some people have a quarter million, a half a million dollars. That's great. But there is one factor that makes that unrealistic and almost scary. It's inflation. Even though that is a buzzword on TV nowadays, inflation is real. It means that the cost of living is incrementally increasing year over year. And what you can buy with that quarter million dollars or half a million dollars may not be what you think in the future. Many people suffer to this day because Social Security is not covering their cost of living. They do have things like a COLA, which is a cost of living adjustment for Social Security. But as we see in our stores today, it's not exactly keeping up with the cost of living. I went to the store recently and normally I get a few gallons of water, but I don't buy from the store. I actually go to a water refill station. 
Sometimes it could be as cheap as 35 cents per gallon. That saves me tons of money on water, which is something that is a necessity. But let's rewind. Maybe prior to the pandemic, we saw water around 99 cents a gallon. Pretty normal. Unfortunately, inflation has increased to the point that water is $2. Now you may be asking me, well, did inflation go up 100%? No, it didn't. Inflation didn't go up nearly as much as the price of water. Why is that? Is because companies are not adjusting their prices for inflation. They're adjusting their prices for profit. So not only do we need to make calculations for inflation, we have to make calculations for corporate greed. Well, how do we combat inflation? We use investment accounts to compound our growth in those accounts. So yes, we do need to have an emergency fund. We do need to have six or nine months of savings available just in case something happens. Now, the old adage of the six to nine months really is about if you lost your job, you just need some time to transition. Maybe you need to wait until your first paycheck came. But I say this, we need to increase our savings rate. We need to increase that number that makes us feel comfortable. So what kind of investment vehicles can we use to push our purchasing power into the future? The first is a brokerage account. It is just a simple account that you can invest your stocks, your bonds, your mutual funds, your cash and cash equivalents, and you can participate in the market. Next are going to be your 401ks and your retirement accounts. Many of you who are employed understand what the 401k is. It's a really great vehicle. A lot of employers love to contribute to it and match you dollar for dollar up to a certain percentage. Now, what that percentage is, is going to depend on your company and your employee benefits. That's why I encourage each and every one of you to review your employee benefits. You can go to your human resource department. They can provide that documentation for you so you know exactly how much free money you can have by just being an employee. We don't want to miss on those extra dollars. Second, our individual retirement accounts. We can actually lower our taxable income by contributing to our individual retirement account and know we can't share it. So if you have a spouse and you have an IRA, you can't combine the IRAs because they're the individual retirement accounts. They're attached to each individual social. But what you can do is make contributions into that account, preparing more for retirement. With these type of accounts in your pocket, you'll be able to grow some of your assets over the long term. Now, this is not a quick fix. It's not that I'm going to put in a few thousand dollars this year. Next year, I'm not going to do anything. The next three years, I'm not going to do anything. And then when it's time to retire, I'm going to dump a bunch of money. The way compound interest works is that the longer that you're invested, the better chances are you're going to be more successful. What we say, it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. Now, how do we determine our discretionary income? I used that buzzword a little bit earlier. What you're going to do is that bank statement that you have, you're going to subtract your expenses from your income, and that is going to tell you your discretionary income. So you're going to add in your, your mortgages, your lights, your gas, all those things that you need to live a life that you want. Then you're going to take all your income, whether it's from rental property, whether it's from your employment, whether it's from a side hustle that you have, and you're going to subtract that amount. And the net of that amount is going to determine your discretionary income or what you can save for the future. So I get this question, how am I going to increase my discretionary income? 
Well, there's two ways that you can do it. You can either lower your expenses or you can increase your income. So number three, your life expectancy. We have to take in your life expectancy into consideration. With modern technology and medicine, people are living a lot longer than they used to. Many times people were dying around 60, 65, but now their life expectancy is a little bit longer, sometimes 70, 80, which means that maybe an additional 20 years of living with no additional income. What are some things that affect life expectancy? Risk, risk to your life. Some people smoke, some people drink, some people stay up late and they don't eat healthy. All those things are going to contribute to your life expectancy and you need to understand your risk. If you feel like your life is going to have a shorter life expectancy, you don't need to save more. But if you feel that you're healthy, the family members are living longer, then you need to save more as well. And the last factor that we need to consider is how much money are you going to take out? Everyone doesn't just go to zero in retirement. Some companies, not many, have a pension plan where they're going to pay you a monthly income. Couple that with Social Security. That's going to tell you what are some things that you can expect in retirement. That's why it's important to run a Social Security analysis if you are contributing into the Social Security program now. If you're unemployed, unfortunately, you're not contributing at the moment. But if you are, then you are contributing and you are entitled to a certain percentage. Now, how much that is going to be, you can run a calculation on ssa.gov and it will tell you how much income can you expect based on your income and how much you've contributed so far. And the questions we really need to ask ourselves, are we truly going to die at zero? Meaning that we're just going to spend all of our money until we have nothing left. It says in Proverbs that a good man leaves an inheritance for their children's children. With that said, we need to determine where we are and how much we are going to give to our children and how much are we going to give to our children's children. That is the righteous thing to do. So it's not about just hoarding as much money as possible or just funding your own personal goals, but to include your family and to include the relatives that may be coming into your household in the future. That's why, once again, I want to say it's very important to determine when is enough enough? How much is enough? Do you need a million dollars? $2 million, $3 million. This is why these four factors are so important. We need to know how much is enough. We need to know where we stop so we know where our family begins. As a Christian financial advisor, I always encourage everyone to allocate a small portion to your charity or to your church so your legacy can continue on. So you may be asking, well, how do I pass on my assets if I'm dead? Well, you can establish a will. A will is like instructions that's going to speak for you when you're no longer here. It's going to tell the world and especially the government where your money is going to go. Are you allocating it to a specific child in a certain percentage? Are you going to be able to give it to your grandchildren? Is it a local church that you want to support? Is there a program that you want to support? We want to make sure that the assets that we're going to leave behind because you're going to leave them. God owns it all. We do not own anything. We are merely stewards. Establishing a will is like a contract between you and God that says, I want these assets to go here. I want this person to continue the legacy that I've built. Not only that, a will is going to make sure that the people get the amount they're intended. Because if there's no instructions, the government has a set of instructions they will love to give. And it's not going to be in your favor. 
So just to wrap up briefly, these are the four factors once again. One, how much are you going to spend? Two, how much can you save now? Three, what is your life expectancy? And four, how much will you take out? With these four factors, you're going to be able to determine how much money you're going to need in retirement. So when you retire, you can stay retired. Well, that is it for me. My name is A.B. Ridgeway. I'm the host of Financial Advisor. Say the darndest things of my mom's favorite Christian financial advisor. If you need help establishing your plan, you can always go to our website, www.abrwealthmanagement.com. Schedule a consultation and we'll be happy to help you find your number. Well, until next time, I'm A.B. Ridgeway and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. I hope that you've been blessed. As always, this episode was created by A.B. Ridgeway, owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, a virtual and in-person fee-only advisor that believes that financial advice should have God in it. If you need help figuring out your finances, feel free to reach out to us at 337-414-3686 or visit our website at www.abrwealthmanagement.com and schedule a free consultation. New episodes are available every Friday, so be sure to subscribe. You can also listen to our podcast on your favorite platforms, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Or simply visit our website and join our family. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. Informational purposes only and should not be relied on for any investment decisions. Instead, please consult a financial advisor, accountant, attorney, and or conduct your own due diligence.